What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance, and we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best and before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric from Hunts, Vegas, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight, brother? Hey, thank you, Corey. Today I have for my spotlight, it's going to be no other than this young lady. Her uh, name is Maya Penn. Now, the thing about Maya, she's only eight years old. And at the age of 21, she has done more than most adults have done twice her age, including interfacing with the Fortune 500 companies, rubbing elbows with Oprah and Michelle Obama, and sketching cartoons for TV. Now, this CEO, entrepreneur, activist, and creative young lady uh, refuses to limit herself, something she learned at an early age. Now, Maya founded her first company, an eco-friendly clothing line called Maya's Ideas. And again, this girl is only eight years old. Three years later, she founded the nonprofit Maya's ideas for the planet, which aim to fight climate change and raise awareness about diversity and equity driven STEM initiatives. Now, quote Maya, she says she always had a, uh, a lot of various passions growing up as a kid, art and design animation. She says on Thursday's People Every Day's podcast, quoting saying, and so I kind of utilized all of those different areas throughout my journey all of those same themes of just giving back and create and creativity has always been a passion for hers, unquote. And again, that's my spotlight for today. Ms. Maya Penn, entrepreneur since the age of eight. Now, Corey, back to you. Yo, Eric, man, you be coming up with these spotlights. I'm like, eight years old? You sure you reading that right? Eight, bro? Yeah, eight years old, man. And I was going to say Hunts Vegas like the number 20 city to live in right now, right? Well, no, nah, man, you know. I know you try to draw me into that, but you know what's up, man. I don't even have to speak on it. You just, hey, you can get this information for yourself. So I'm going to let you speak on it. You already said it, so that's what's I, up. <laughs> you know, I was, trying to, I was trying to get you going a little bit on the Hunts Vegas. Yeah, you man. Know, you know, you yeah, ain't, ain't, ain't got to say everybody know what's up, man. You know, you ain't got to pull me into it, but, you know, everybody know what's up. Hey, all I say, just Google it. you find out. Definitely with Eric, man. We appreciate that spotlight, brother. Let's go on to introduce today's guest. First off, where are my manners? Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. It's the new year, but I ain't gonna lie, man. When it comes to wealth and health, well, the health is great, but the wealth ain't feeling so good. The 30% credit scores, I'm looking like 90, 100%. So without further ado, we're gonna introduce Reggie Tolbert, this brother out of Jacksonville. I ain't gonna lie. He told me he was from Ponte Vedro Beach. I thought it was South Florida somewhere. I gotta get my Florida geography up, not realizing that's right up in Duval. And you know, we done had a lot of brothers on sisters on here from Jacksonville. This brother is the CEO of RF Tolbert Wealth Management. You know, we're talking about estate planning, when we're talking about trust, when we're talking about long-term planning, when we're talking about savings, investing. If you were an individual, if you were a couple, this brother would take care of that. We're going to get into all that. But first, Reggie Tolbert, Happy New Year, brother, and welcome to Black Men Sundays. How you doing? I'm good, Corey. Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank oh, you. definitely. Definitely, man. We excited to have you on. And I can't wait to get to this first question, because like I said, man, you know, Christmas is over. 
It's New Year's, man. I don't pop a couple of bottles last night. I don't spend a lot of money on Christmas. I'm used to that 20, 30 percent um, on my credit cards. But now I'm more 80, 90 to 100 on some just trying to make the family happy, trying to make them. But the issue I have is when New Year's comes every year, my resolution is the same. OK, get your cards back to 30. And it normally takes me till March to do that. So my first question for you is what can I do so next year Christmas isn't such a strenuous uh, spending process? That's a very good question, uh, Corey. Uh, one of the things when you starting over a New Year's resolution, it's almost like you're starting at ground zero all over again. Uh, a lot of us go to the gym early in the year. We start at ground zero. We come up with a plan where your financial ground zero is exactly the same way. You need to come up with a budget and a plan to start the year off, okay? Once that budget is established, you determine in that budget, what are the things that's a priority for you in that budget? Well, one of the main things that you just touched on is that the spending from Christmas, we have to take care of the spending from Christmas and get that knocked down. So you may want to readjust your annual budget to uh, compensate for more money to pay that, that debt off from Christmas, get that paid down, get your credit score back in line those first 90 days and then just continue to be disciplined throughout the year. One of the things, ways that you can avoid having those big Christmas bills is there's things called Christmas clubs. You can start up a Christmas club account early in the year, set aside some money from your normal spending, and then have a lump sum of cash October, November, where you can use that money for Christmas shopping. You know, So the, the name of the game is you want to form a budget, have a budget and just start Start performing discipline skills and maintaining that budget and then prioritize what are the things that are important to you in that budget. Gotcha. I respect that, man, because, you know, I talk to a lot of brothers privately and they say, man, you know, I don't want to come on your show and put my finances out there. So I'm cool with putting mine out there because I, you know, I have a very nice credit score. Not right now. I mean, it's, it's probably going to drop like 60 points in a, in a week or two. But I'm just saying I know where I can build it up quickly. You know, but mm -hmm. so what can brothers do? Because like I said, you are the CEO of RF Tolbert Wealth Management. Um, before we get into the full spectrum of uh, your business, I just want to kind of stick because we've had financial advisors, we've had accountants on that say, listen, you need to uh, start a plan. You know, you need to start like kind of similar to what you're saying, but they were saying basically, you know, put 50, put 100, 200 away. So by the time Christmas comes, it's not, it's not so strenuous on you. But for the brothers like me who, okay, you know, it's New Year's now. We kind of starting to feel that pinch. You know, those $100 minimums is like three, $400 minimums every month now. And then, you know, it's stressful until you're able to pay them down. So um, from a credit card or just from a spending to, you know, make the family happy perspective, what can we do to alleviate that going into the new year? Well, Going into the new year, the best way to alleviate that is you just one of two ways you can do that. You can take it down systematically month by month. You can put allocate more monies to paying that down and hopefully get it down in three to six months. Or you can just bite the bullet at the beginning of the year and say, hey, I'm going to take a lump sum of money from a savings account. Some money I have set aside, knock it out, pay that down and then allocate heavier on the savings because if you've got a credit card, you're probably paying anywhere between 13 to 29% interest on that card. So you want to pay that down as quickly as you can. So if you have other allocated monies or your spouse may have other allocated monies, you may want to pull from that temporarily 
pay that card off and then pay yourself back over the course of the year into your savings account. Okay, great information. Let's jump right in, man. RF Tolbert Wealth Management. Where did the idea come from? I mean, you know, we we've I feel like it's millionaire role on this show. We've had millionaires and CEOs for the last probably eight weeks strong. And we're continuing that with you, brother. So just tell me the idea of RF Tolbert Wealth Management, because as the brother on the last week's show said, he felt like fear kept him from home ownership. Fear kept him from being a business owner. And when I talk to a lot of brothers and sisters in our community, fear is what keeps them from achieving generational wealth. And that's what this show is about. So go ahead, brother. Well, if you don't mind me taking a moment, Corey, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. And when I came out of school, I had a baby, I had a, I had a girlfriend, and my dad got me. I had a job offer right out of school. And he said, boy, you get in that 401k, you know? So I looked at him. I said, Pop, you don't even have 401k. You don't know nothing about 401k. But I brought all the stuff home with me that night. We filled out the paperwork. I got into the 401k plan. I didn't know what it was. I just allocated where I thought would be best, right? I knew nothing about it. A year and a half into it, we had enough money for a down payment on a house. And I was like, wow. So my wife and I, we were like, oh, this investing thing is cool. So I just started doing research, research and investing, research, buying uh, drip plans, buying individual stocks on the side outside of my 401k plan until I just developed a passion. Once I developed that passion, man, everybody was telling me, Reg, you should do this full time. So I made the plunge, man. We saved everything we possibly could over a five-year period. And I made the transition into uh, financial planning. And when I started, I used to work for Morgan Stanley for a while. And uh, I got to the point where uh, I felt that I could do better for my clients and have more flexibility for my clients. So I decided to branch out on my own and started up RF Talbert Wealth Management. And uh, I've been in the business for about 16 years now. And my clients have been doing well. Uh, it's a cycle type business. But I think if you think long term and anything that you do financially, if you think long term, if you're paying off a credit card, OK, pay it down. If you're saving and investing, whatever you're doing, just think long term and that money, that wealth will accumulate over time. Gotcha. And let's um, go into some specifics of RF Tolbert Wealth Management. I alluded to the long term planning, trust estate planning for individuals and couples, because I feel like a lot of brothers that are single. They're like, man, I don't, I don't need that. So let's talk to the same. I'm obviously the brothers that are married, we know, but the brothers that are single, I really want you to touch on that. How can um, RF Tober Wealth Management benefit brothers? Well, we work with individuals. We work with couples. We work with small businesses. A lot of our business owners, some of them are, are single men, some single women, some of them are divorced men and women, but you still have the same concerns, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, or whether you're single or never been married, the same concerns are still there. You still have to allocate money for your long-term future. You still have to allocate funds for whatever your goals and dreams and objectives may be financially. And then you also, as you're dealing day-to-day, -day, like get back to the Christmas example, you have to set aside some money for emergency funds. You know, have some money set aside. Being in Florida, being in Jacksonville, the biggest emergency we have every year is a possible evacuation. So if you have to evacuate, you don't want to be pulling from your regular bills that you have to pay in order to evacuate. You want to have some sort of emergency fund set aside. So we work with uh, individuals, 
uh, as well as married couples that have the very same concerns, especially individual men like yourselves that may own your own business or be CEOs of your own company, you still would have the same concerns. Okay, good. And while we're talking about specifics, I alluded to the long-term planning. Generational wealth is something that's a long-term commitment. So how can um, your wealth management business help me plan long-term to achieve generational wealth, which is what our show is all about? Right, right. That's a good question. Yes, a lot of good questions, man. One of the first things that we do, Corey, is we sit down with potential clients and we develop a plan. We outline a plan. And as part of that plan, everything that we do is customized to each individual situation. There's no one size fits all financial plan because the things that people want, everyone wants something different, you know, and people are saving for things that are different in their lives. So we come up with a customized plan, first of all, and that plan becomes a living document. So every six months, every, every six months, we're getting back with that client and reviewing that plan because it becomes like a roadmap for us for the next several years. So whatever goals they have, if they're saving for college or if they're saving for retirement or it could be someone that's just gone into retirement and wants to maintain a, a steady income stream, whatever that goal is or those goals are, that financial plan keeps us on track for those goals. So having a plan is very critical. Whatever stage of life that you may be in, having a plan is very important. And if I was to open up your portfolio, you know, do you do any crypto? You a stock guy? You an individual stock? You a group stock? I'm just saying, if I open up Reggie Tolbert's portfolio, what are we going to see? Give us a little game, bro. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, man, my thing is I don't do any crypto. I don't do Bitcoin. What I like, I like boring money. Okay. Right now, we're going through a very tough scenario right now, and the best place to be invested is in boring stocks. Every time you drive around a McDonald's, there's a line going around the building, right? We're going to need lights, electricity to the end of the world, right? It's boring stuff, right? I have a client. I asked her the question. This was several years ago when she came online. She says, I want my money in something safe. I asked her, I said, ma'am, can things ever get so well or so bad that you could do without toilet tissue, okay? It's a boring company, but clients are making money. Clients are doing well. Kimberly Clark, if I throw a name out there, all they make is toilet tissue, paper towels, and Huggies diapers, okay? I ask you another question. Uh, what day do y'all have trash day? Okay, my trash day is every Monday. Oh, Waste it. management is another company. Invest in trash, man. We're going to have trash to the end of the world, man, you know? So I, my personal portfolio and I don't mind sharing it, is stocks that are boring. You know, large cap pharmaceutical companies, uh, companies like McDonald's, you know, things with, when you go into Walmart shopping, the things that are in your grocery cart, that's what's in my portfolio. Okay, you're actually making me feel good. You know I mean? Outside of my Bitcoin and crypto portfolio, besides that, um, I mean, everything is down, but I'm just saying for me, the way um, the way I analyze stocks, the way I analyze it is, okay, what am I spending my money on? I spend my money on Sony products. I send my money, like you said, you know, I don't do McDonald's no more. I kind of am on the Wendy's, you know, McDonald's a little too rich for me right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm rocking with Wendy's, Disney, Google, Intel, you know, them kind of companies because I'm using that. Those I mean, I'm using good. it. I'm using it to talk to you right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's that's a great thing. But before I continue, um, my man Kalali James, y'all have any questions for this brother? Sure. This is Kalali. 
Again, this is Kalali out of Maryland, Kalali Dogbe out of Maryland. Um, I, think, I got one question for you. Just going back to like, you know, we talking about the single, we talking about young single people and that I got, I got a couple of, um, I got a couple of younger brothers right now, you know, and, and they're at the point in life where they might be thinking about, you know, getting married, different things like that. So I'm wondering, you know, and, and from, um, the the, pros, the the perspective of wealth management, I know y'all deal with individualized scenarios, but I'm wondering if you could give like some general ideas of the kind of financial position or the kind of financial things you should be thinking about if you're somebody who's thinking about getting married. Because I know I was thinking about certain things when I was uh, thinking about getting married as far as financially. Do you have any any kind of, I guess, just broad stroke general ideas on like what kind of financial position or what you should be um, thinking about doing um, if you're uh, uh, thinking about getting married? Yeah, uh, Khalid, if, if one of the things with, uh, if you're thinking about getting married uh, and you're coming up, you develop on a personal plan for yourself or trying to position yourself to be married, one of the things that's very important, especially with uh, a young family or someone that's preparing to be married, is prepare for anything catastrophic, okay? If you're, if you're young and you're just starting out and you just got married or you might have a little fella at home, uh, you want to have insurance. You want to have some life insurance because what happens if if something happens to you, God forbid, if something happens, now she's there with the little with the kids and now she's got to go out and get two or three jobs. So if you're getting ready to get married, you want to lock down some good life insurance, some term life insurance, because the younger you are, it's pennies on the dollar to get you a million dollar policy. And those prices are flat. They stay the same throughout the duration of the policy. So the most important thing, if you're getting ready to get married, get you some insurance to protect you and your, your family, your, your new bride and your new family that might be developing. And uh, the other thing for young uh, investors, single investors that we tell all the time is, is be accountable. Get you an accountability coach or a person that you trust. Like you said, that's your little brother. Uh, maybe you become his accountability coach, you know, that he touched base with you every month or every week or something to make sure that he's on track with the things that you and him discussed, you know, having someone that's accountable that, that'll keep you on track as well. You don't necessarily have to hire a professional, you know, but just someone that, that you trust that'll keep you on track. No, I definitely appreciate that, man. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's great advice. Cause to tell you the truth, like, so I've been married uh six years. Yeah. It'll be six years at the end of this year. Um, and I uh, did not actually, we, we just got, term life insurance or we just got life insurance um like this past year so that was something that we actually didn't do before we you know like in the early early earlier on we still kind of early but early earlier mm -hmm. on uh when we uh when we first got uh married so yeah so that's great advice i appreciate that thank you yeah likewise the earlier you do it the better you know it's, it's cheaper as earlier if someone getting ready to retire or something they, it, life insurance gonna be so expensive but the early, you need 20s, 30s, and 40s, man. It's a good time to be buying life insurance. Appreciate appreciate that, definitely. For the single brothers out there that have what we call these boss sisters, you know, the sisters with the CEO money, the sisters that may make more than the husband. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. You know, if you were a single man with kids and you were about to marry a boss woman, like I said, when I, you know, it's so many stereotypes of a boss woman. My, my thing is a boss woman is a sister that makes great money is either a manager or a CEO at her job, a homeowner, business owner. That's my boss. Chick. I'm not talking about the stereotypical. I'm just talking about, this is my perspective of a boss woman for a brother mm -hmm. that's going to 
potentially want to marry a sister of that caliber from a wealth perspective, what should the brother have lined up? What type of savings account? What type of investment portfolio should he have going into it? Or can he build it after he's married? You asked some very good questions, Corey. Uh, that's a very good question, man. And I tell you, I have a client, a couple clients in that scenario. I, I didn't know them before they were married. But uh, one of the things that I find that, that I've noticed from their experiences that's made them successful is the husband and the wife are on the same page. Okay. Even though he came to the marriage with a little less than she brought to the marriage, they both got on the same page and they're on the same page with their goals. Even though she's contributing more into the family pot, he's, he's doing his part in the family pot, but then the overall spectrum of the family gels really well because there's other things other than the finance that the brother brings to the table that, that in my field, I don't address. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things I noticed that's made them successful is that they're both on the same page. And so she wants him, if the, if the boss woman wants a brother that's not balling as well as she is, then just get on the same page with her. If she got certain goals that she wants to achieve, you got certain goals you want to achieve. As long as y'all on the same page, it can work, man. It, it can work. Okay. And that kind of leads to my next question, though, when we're talking about uh, the quote unquote boss mentality. I feel like everybody these days wants to be a CEO. I feel like some brothers, I'm like, bro, you ain't never been a worker to be a CEO. You don't mm -hmm. even know what it feels like to be a worker. How are you going to be a CEO? <laughs> so, you know, but, but going back to that question too, with the boss um, conversation, because I know a lot of brothers, like I have a brother at my job, the wife make 500,000, he make 50, but she lets him be the quote unquote man of the house. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And in my perspective, I'm not, you know, cause a lot of brothers talk about, you know, is it a hundred zero? Is it 50, 50? And from my point of view, like in my personal experience, you know, it's 50, 50, as far as the mindset, the planning, the, you know, but you know, when it comes to the bill paying, it definitely is not 50 feet. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to keep it real out there, but I'm just saying for the brothers out there that are sitting here, cause I see brothers on social media all the time. Hey man, when we take a sister on a date, should we pay? I'm like, what's going on? This world's going crazy. Cause you know, back in my day, we, if you, if we weren't paying, then we wasn't going, you know, is there a such thing as 50, 50? Is it a per merit? Is it per couple situation or, you know, from a wealth management perspective, you know, cause a lot of brothers, like I said, talk about these boss chicks talking, I got one too. So it's cool. Hell, my man Kalali got one. I mean, he got a principal over there. Come on, man. This man got the Kobe sitting back there. Andy, but he's doing his thing too. I ain't making it like she killing it. He killing it too. But my question is, you know, because a lot of brothers say, hey, man, you know, a lot of brothers that I know that if they had a father in their house, they're like, no, nah, I'm paying all the bills. I don't care what she makes. She can save all her money. But then there's brothers that I know that were raised where it's just a mom. They're like, no, nah, we're doing 50 50. And then other brothers kind of say, we just do it based on what, uh, what works for us so from your point of view what do you believe in brother and and if i was a client of rf tolbert wealth management how would you assist me in this conversation well uh first thing i would do Corey, is, is make sure that you were aware of uh of the laws in in that particular state okay if you're coming into a marriage where it's going to be a little lopsided where one's bringing a lot more income than the other Okay, if you all are on the same page, that's good. And that's that's great. But as far as when we start setting up accounts, 
we need to know, okay, who's the primary account owner? Who's the secondary account owner? Uh, who's going to be head of the household when you do your taxes, your tax scenario? Do you have a prenuptial agreement? Certain states, regardless of who makes what, once you say I do, everything is 50-50, no matter, no matter what. Uh, those are what you call community states. It doesn't matter. So I try to make sure clients are aware of uh, legally what, what the rules are legally in terms of their finances. Okay, if you put his name on here on a trust, for example, if it's irrevocable, you can't change that. You know, so so I try to make them aware from that perspective. And then as the relationship with my clients develops and I can see that they're on the same page, then then we start going into other sophisticated type of investments. This is interesting. I mean, it's the new year. So this is some conversation that a lot of black men, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm like, hey, let's talk about it. Go ahead. Go my, ahead. Kalali. My value, my value, Corey, excuse me for interrupting you, is it's just that, man, is to try to let let us know what what we can and can't do, you know, legally from a legal finance perspective and how we can also save money on your taxes. Because sometimes it's better to have the baller head of household on the taxes as opposed to joint on the taxes if it's going to make more money for you all together, you know. So all of that has to be looked at when you're doing your, your, your financial strategies. Sorry for interrupting, man. No, actually, I'm glad you did because, you know, it kind of brings up the next question. It's New Year's. A lot of brothers filing them taxes. It's funny, though, the brothers that got big money be like, they wait till almost the 15th to file there because they're like, you know, I'm paying back. I ain't getting nothing back anyway. But for a lot of brothers, man, they be filing real quick, getting those nice returns. So for the brothers that are married and the wife does make more, you're saying, in some situations, because it's not, you know, every situation is different, but you're saying in some situations, it's smarter to have her, instead of filing jointly, you're saying have her just file head of household? In some scenarios, yeah. And and that's one of the recommendations that I would have is to is to have your your team, like if I'm a financial advisor, but if, if, if you come into my office and you have a scenario like that, I'm bringing in my CPA as well. I'm bringing in a, a CPA that can advise you on the best way for you to do your tax planning strategy as well, because there's money to be made in investing, but you can make a whole lot more money if you understand the taxes and how to how to lower your taxes. I will say this, this is a good conversation to have to lead off the year with just to, you know, get folks thinking about their, uh, thinking about their wealth management, thinking about their estate management and, 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 and their, uh, their financial planning in terms of, you know, starting a year off. It's like, you know, we, uh, I think you said this at the top, Corey, it's like, we, we think about other things when we think about our new year's resolutions, right? I'm gonna go to the gym and get my, get myself right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm gonna go on a diet. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we need to be like, you know what, I'm gonna go look at this budget. I'm gonna look at these numbers and get my money right for the new year. Or, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna, what a diet i'm gonna diet on some of this spending for the, <laughs> for the new year you know what i'm saying so yeah i feel um, you man i, I appreciate you. the conversation man yeah definitely man because like i was telling this brother pre-show man i was like look you know i got a brother that i work with man this guy go to the gym like he might go to the gym on his lunch break he just wanted them gym guys he's like man he could walk in the gym close his eyes he ain't bumping nobody once january first come it's gonna be packed it's gonna be lines to work out so i said well you know what Instead of on, on being on some physical fitness, let me get on some wealth management, financial fitness for the new year. So that's why I had this brother Reggie Tober come on Black Men Sundays. But we're going to keep the thing going, man, because we've had brothers on and we've had, like I said, we've had accountants, financial advisors, 
And one thing that rings a bell to me, first off, Reggie, tell me you played a sport. Because I feel like every financial person I've had on here was some type of football, basketball, some type of athlete. Yeah, I played basketball in high school. So yeah, I wonder, was- I wonder, so what's the correlation? Because like I said, I mean, I'm talking every financial person I've had on here, all of them, including you, played sports. How does sports and accounting and uh, wealth management and financial advising, how does all that mesh together? Because I feel like it's a common thing. It is, man. I mean, sports, like like uh, Khalid made the analogy earlier, as well as yourself, is is you go into the gym every every you go into the gym to improve your body. You go into the gym to transform. You know, you go into the gym and you get on a good diet to improve your body and to transform and get stronger. Financial planning is the same way. You know, playing playing basketball. You know, we all work together, but individually, we worked on our individual games as well, so that we, so that we practice. You practice, practice, practice. That way the game is easy. So financial planning is all about being disciplined and saving, 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 very disciplined and continue that strategy. So when the game rolls around with whatever the game might be, retirement planning, retirement, college savings, sending sending your kid to college, cash, all paid, you know, whatever it might be, developing income in retirement, then you, you've showed that discipline uh, throughout the course to get you there. And a lot of people think, you know, to become wealthy, you need money to become wealthy. You need discipline to become wealthy. If you have discipline, you can save and invest any amount of money. And through that compounded interest, you can reach your goals. And what about um, going back to the stock conversation? Because like I said, you know, a lot of brothers are kind of losing faith in stocks. A lot of brothers bounce from crypto, but you know, when we talk about dollar cost averaging, I had a couple of guests on that said, listen, the market's down, still buy, because in 40 years, you're going to have that money. Do you believe the same thing about dollar cost averaging? Yes, sir. 100%. 100%. Um, what, what's the beauty of dollar cost averaging is that let's say you got a company that's $100 a share. This time last year, it was $100 a share and you were buying investing $100 a month. So you're buying one share of that stock. Now this year is $25 a share. Good company, but it just happens to be down. Now you're buying four shares of that stock. So the, as that money, when that stock bounces back, it, it's going to really even maybe even triple your wealth over a period of time because you're buying more shares at, at a lower price. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the professionals use this uh, term, the stock market's on sale right now. But there's a lot of good companies that are out there that are selling really cheap, not because the company is bad, but just because of the economic cycle that we're in right now. Gotcha. And do you believe in, because I've had brothers on here that have said, listen, you know, I've emptied my 401k, changed asset classes and put that in real estate. Do you believe in that? But then I've had other brothers that say, listen, no, don't touch that 401k at all. What's your thoughts on that? Because I feel like with, with a lot of millennials, first off, a lot of millennials are saying we don't need a 401k. We have Robinhood. We have all these different investment platforms that we can go to kind of like a social media app. And as long as we do our own homework, but which, what are your thoughts on brothers that are saying, listen, I'd have X, XYZ in my 401k. I'm transferring that to different asset classes. I, I think you should always have a, 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 a diversified portfolio. Okay, you should have, so a little bit in your 401k, maybe have some 
in real estate. I know a lot of guys that buy rental property and things like that. You know, you may want to have have some in gold. You know, I have some clients that own some gold and silver and precious metals and things. So I believe you should always be diversified. And one of the things that we do in, in my firm and in, in RF Talbert Wealth Management is we do an active management strategy. So we're always moving clients in, in and out of assets that may not be working or assets that we don't feel will bounce back when the rest of the market bounces again. So if, if you have a good diversified portfolio, it's a little tough right now, but you should be okay long-term. When I say long-term, I'm talking two years. You know, I'm not talking 20 years down the road. Over the next couple of years, you should be okay. So let me ask you this, man. I want to be rich in at least eight years. What advice would you have for me to make that dream really come true? Well, the first thing I would do is make you aware of the risks involved, because if you want to be rich in eight years, okay, you have to understand the risk. Okay, number one. Number two is, what is rich? Is that 10 million, 100 million, a billion? And then where are you at right now? Okay, so to become wealthy, you if to, in a short period of time, you will have to invest in, in riskier asset classes. And you'll have to ride away when it hits, like earlier this year, like oil and energy. A lot of those stocks are up 60-some percent, okay? Next year, Bitcoin may bounce 60-some percent. We don't know, but you have to be able to ride those waves in that eight-year time frame uh, to become wealthy. But you have to understand the risks that are involved. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of brothers, you know, when I was alluding to earlier, everybody want to be the boss. Everyone wants to be in that C-suite, as Emily Barr said on my show. Um, but I want to talk about real estate before I let you get out of here, man. Do you believe, I, and I ask every guest this, can you be a millionaire without owning real estate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can be a millionaire without owning real estate. I mean, there's 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 so many other asset classes that you can own. I mean, you can you can buy into a franchise, you know, you can you can uh, buy into uh, what we call private equity, you know, which is also uh, different types of investments. There's a lot of asset classes you can buy into bonds. Like right now, bonds are very attractive. They're going to start going up soon. So there's there's so many different asset classes that you be, can become wealthy on that you don't have to have real estate in your portfolio. Wow, you're saying bonds. I mean, I was talking to a few millennials. They were like, bonds, man, that's played out. That's like Y2K, man. Bonds is played out. So you telling me bonds coming back? Yes, sir. I, I can tell you technically why they're coming back. Okay. In a rising interest rate environment, which is what we're in right now, bond valuations teeter downward. Okay. So right now, bonds have been teetering downward. In a low interest rate environment, bonds don't have a good return. They don't have a good coupon rate. So for the last three or four to five years, we have not been that high on bonds because the coupon rates have been so low and interest rates have been so low. Now interest rates are going up, bond valuations are going down. But as soon as the feds have completed their rising interest rate process, bond coupon rates will be much higher, you know? So you're gonna get a coupon rate. Then once the feds start lowering at some point in a year or two, bond valuations will teeter upward, okay? So back, back in 08, 09, right after the Great Recession, there was bonds making over 20% a year after that point, because interest rates were going down and va bond valuations were going up. 
Mm. So what about so, the brothers that are saying, listen, man, I don't need no bond. I got a Roth IRA working for me. What do you say to that? Well, a Roth IRA is not the investment itself. The Roth IRA is just the, it's the house that holds the investments. So you can have bonds inside the Roth. You can have stocks in the Roth. You can have, like you alluded to, you can have some real estate in the Roth. You can have all these different investments inside the Roth IRA that will work for you. Um, we've had guests on, you know, we, we've had a CEO millionaire that said he makes, he has over seven streams of income. From your point of view as a wealth management advisor, how many streams of income should we have just to be comfortable? I would, me personally, I would target two to three streams of income. And I'm not counting your spouse. If you're married, you and your spouse, I would consider that one stream of income. Okay. If you're single, one stream of income, then I would look at two additional streams of income, whatever they might be. Let's say if you're working somewhere, but you got a, a, a hobby or you're good at artwork or something, you know, maybe you want to sell your artwork or something or, or buy some uh, rental properties and have some, what we call passive income. Um, I, I strongly would target at least two to three additional streams of income because the thing is, man, is social security may not be there in 10 to 20 years, you know? So we have to, we have to set ourselves up for long-term life, lifelong income. Uh, if you get social security, that's great. That's fine. But you want to set yourself up long-term to have continuous income well into your eighties and nineties as you grow older. Oh man, you're making this too easy. You mentioned in passive income. You know, <laughs> I talked to my man Kalali privately, privately, like I said, he has a master's in public policy. And he says, listen, man, I make good money. My wife makes good money, but I'm not free. Can passive income make you free? It, it can make you financially independent. I mean, it, it will give you, I don't say it'll make you free, but it will definitely give you options. You know, you will have options if you have passive income, because now if you don't feel as bad, if you have to take a day off from your regular job, or if something happens and you need to change jobs or be out of work temporarily for a while, you still have that passive income to fall back on. So yeah, it definitely will put you in a much better scenario than you would if you just had that single uh, income. Okay. And for the brothers that are homeowners, because I get this all the time, should I sell my house? Should I just flip the money? So from your point of view, is it smart to pay off your house or... So I've had financial advisors come on here and say, listen, every five years, buy a new house, buy a new house, buy a new house. You're making money, you flip it, flip it. With the market the way it is, is that still a smart uh, investment idea? Well, when it comes to real estate, it's always timing with real estate. You know, um, long term, like 20, 30 years out, we know real estate values are going to continue to go up, you know, but in terms of, 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 selling a house every five years or so every five years I would look at it as depends on your individual scenario that's a question I couldn't answer with a broad brush you know because it would depend on what your scenario is do you have another house where you're going to live in and just have this house that you flip you know or because somebody that's flipping a house now if they flipped a house recently that they were paying two percent interest on now they're going to pay 6% interest on. It's going to be harder to get into that same quality of home now. So it depends on the timing and it depends on that individual's current scenario. But I wouldn't just broad brush and say, 
do this every five years. It would depend on your situation. So based on, um, and I'm obviously I'm talking from a Florida market, home homeowners market perspective. Um, is it fool's gold to sell your house right now based on what you said? You know, because like I said, you know, my house is pretty nice. The value's almost quadruple. I'm sitting there like, man, I want to put some of this in the bank. But then when I look at other homes equivalent to this, I'm basically going to give them everything that I've made in a smaller house, smaller overall square footage. So, I mean, really with the market and with the race, is it fool's gold to sell your house right now? Yeah, right now, the, the timing of the market is not good to sell your home. Number one, the values, like you say, the valuations have gone way up. And to sell your home now to buy the equipment, you're going to have to buy, a, a, you're going to have to overpay for another big house. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, enjoy all that equity, man. And then when the right time comes around, when the interest rates are down, yeah, you can make a move, sell your house, go downsize into something smaller and, uh, you know, pocket all those gains. But let it's all ask. about timing when it comes to real estate. Mm, okay. And let me ask you this before I let you go. I don't know if this is in your field, but I'm going to test the waters, man. You know, we just had Christmas. It's New Year's. A lot of brothers bought jewelry for their girlfriends, for their wives, for whoever they associated with. I'll just say that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm noticing a lot of brothers are saying, man, the jewelry stores we're going to now, they're saying, listen, you know, when you pay for that extra protection, you're paying for if a diamond is lost, but if someone steals it or you misplace it, they're not covering that. So they're telling a lot of these jewelry stores are telling people, hey, you own your house, right? Just put it on your policy. So if someone steals your wife's, I'm going to just throw a number out there, $20,000 ring, your jewelry store is not covering that because they're saying, well, that was stolen. Is it a smart thing to... Uh, pull a policy on some jewelry because I mean that that may potentially make your rates go up. It could. I mean, and and I'm all for buying jewelry for for the for the wife too. By the way, I'm all I'm I'm definitely with that. Um, but the thing is, man, is you can you alluded to the homeowner's policy. Anything that's in your home, your jewelry, all your belongings in there is covered under the homeowner's policy. Okay, I've never insured the jewelry, but. It is under the homeowner's policy. I'm not sure of the scenario of what would occur if it's stolen and how it'd be covered. But if it's value, if you're paying thousands of dollars for that and it's going to cost you, you know, pennies on the dollar to insure it, I would definitely insure it. I'm a, I'm a proponent of insurance, man. I, I, I'm a believer in insurance. It's a necessary evil in some cases, but uh, I'm definitely an advocate of insurance. Definitely. Okay, cool. And before I let you go, man, because you've been giving us uh, just back to back jewels, man, you bringing it like it's nothing. I love that, man. <laughs> and you light skin out of Jacksonville. Ain't no, it must not be no sun up there, man. I'm trying to tell you, man. Khalid, I'm gonna have to send him an invoice for that one, Khalid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I hear that, brother. I hear that. So before I let you go, man, because like I said, this is, you know, our New Year's show. You know, most of you know, it's Black mm -hmm. Men Sunday. Sisters listening too. Mm -hmm. What should, from a financial perspective, what should all of our New Year resolutions have from a financial perspective? I would say from a financial perspective, the new year, live within your means. Live within your means. If you make $5,000 a month, don't have expenses at $5,500 a month. You know, if you make $10,000 a month, don't have your expenses at $11,400 a month. You know, because that's just 
that's just going to snowball, man. You know, whatever you do, em employ discipline and live within your means. Whatever your income is, don't spend beyond that. If you can't save, that's okay, but don't spend beyond what you're earning. So I would live within my, stay within your means. All right. And my last question before I let you go, man, for the brothers that have these boss sisters that are saying, listen, spending within my means, I want to make sure she's happy. I might need to overspend and pay some cards for that. What's your advice to those brothers? I would say then have patience, man, and wait a couple months. So wait a couple months, man. Valentine's Day is in, in next month, right? Wait, wait till Valentine's Day, you know, put it off for a month or so. And then that way it won't be a financial burden later on in the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do have a question for you. Okay. Um, so earlier, earlier on, when we were talking about real estate. You talked about, um, uh, you know, enjoying, the, you know, the equity kind of enjoying the rising value of your houses. So that tipped me off to a question where I was like, so, you know, for those of us who do have equity in their houses, what are some good things? Um, to actually take out equity for? Like, what would you recommend like taking out equity in your house for that you could use to maybe make more profit? Um, okay, that, that's a good question. And that goes all the way back to Corey's original statement. We're in the new year. We may have run up some credit cards and things like that over Christmas. Okay, those credit card interest rates might be, what, 15%, 19%, 29%. You can use the equity in your home to consolidate your bills, consolidate those high price credit cards. Let's say if you got a total of $20,000 in credit cards, paying all that interest rate, take a home loan, take a, a, a second mortgage on your home, pay that off. Now, instead of paying 20%, you're only paying four or five or 6%, and you're deducting that interest on your taxes too. So you so you you killed two birds with one stone on that. You 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 paid off your credit card debt, and now your credit score goes up because that high price credit card debt now is is gone. It's not on your credit score anymore. So I would definitely do that. Pay consolidate your bills using that home equity. Man, that's great advice, man. That's, that's yeah, that's definitely great advice. I, I might I might actually take that and look into it. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> uh, uh, I anything else that you that you might recommend i just i'm just wondering because I'm, I'm thinking about it now yeah that's that's just one of the things man i mean if you have any any bills that you have that that is is, is hard because credit cards is hard to pay off if you're just paying a minimum you know you're paying a minimum amount it's hard to pay those off but any any kind of outstanding debt that you may have uh yeah if you can lump that into the house because all of that's tax deductible so you you're paying off the credit and you're getting some of that money back when you do your taxes too. Appreciate that advice, man. That's real good advice. Thank, thank you. Yes, sir. You're welcome. Oh man. Reggie Tolbert gave it to us today. D Wilcox. If you're out there listening from the Annie Ruth foundation, thanks for blessing us with this brother. This brother gave us the game. Hey man. Hey man. So Reggie, my last question before I let you go, brother, did you enjoy yourself on black men Sundays, man? Yeah, man, it was good, man. It was very good, man. I enjoyed it, man. I appreciate you having me on, Corey. Yeah, you know, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Definitely, man. We might have to have you back on in the future, man. Uh, thanks for yeah. coming on Black Man Sunday, brother. We appreciate you. We appreciate what you bring into the community and what you bring into wealth management, brother. Peace out and enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Peace, man. Thank you, man. Peace out. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish
these things away.